0: Welcome to The Commune Podcast. My name is Jeff Krasno. This week, I am happy to bring you yet another fantastic course from The Commune Library. As you may know, in addition to being a podcast, Commune is also a video course platform featuring a wide range of programs from top teachers on spiritual growth, yoga, meditation, spirituality, functional medicine, nutrition, and social impact. Essentially everything that you need to be holistically well. This week, you'll be hearing from spiritual leader and U.S. presidential candidate, Marianne Williamson. Her program, Teaching the Teachers, is designed to help yoga and meditation teachers, spiritual leaders, life coaches, and therapists become the best that they can be. Across the course of this program. Marianne shares decades of experience to help teachers discover the deepest version of themselves and effectively offer that wisdom to their students. So over the next five days, we will be releasing the first five parts of Marianne's course. Now, if you want to watch the full video version in all its glory, which includes 10 core lessons, plus bonus meditations, transcripts, and reflections, well, I encourage you to go to onecommune.com slash Marianne, and sign up for a free trial of Commune membership. That's one, O-N-E commune.com slash Marianne. There you can sign up for 14 days of free all access to Commune's entire course library, including the full-length version of Teaching the Teachers. We will always email you before your free trial is up, but if you continue on to become a Commune member, Well, thank you, our members are the key reason we are able to create and share free content like this. And if you regularly tune into this podcast, I also ask you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher. Just tap follow show and leave us a review. It makes a huge difference. And now here's day three, where Marianne explains why your true self is perfect Because everything that the divine creates is a modification of itself.
1: I'd like to talk for a moment about who you actually are. The ego mind and the ego dominates the planet on which we live. The ego would always have you think that you are who you are not. And to think that you are not who you actually are. When you know who you are in God's mind, you know who you really are because you are an idea in the mind of God. Everything that God creates because God is all that is, is an extension of himself. God is perfect, therefore your true self is perfect. Now, that shining essence within you has many names, one name of which is the Christ. When Michelangelo would go to the quarry and think that the real statue that he was seeking to create had already been created by God, and his work was to get rid of the excess marble, the true you, the the real you, is already created by God. It's just covered over by a lot of other stuff. Now, the Swiss psychologist Carl Jung talked about something called the collective unconscious. He said, if you go deep enough into your mind and deep enough into my mind, there is a level of mental imagery that he called archetypes that we all share. The issue of the Christ mind is the idea that if you go deep enough into your mind and deep enough into mine, we're the same mind. There's only one of us here. There's only one begotten son. Think of a of a a wheel, and think of all the spokes on the wheel, normally we identify ourselves with our position on the the rim so that it looks like there are a lot of us because there are a lot of different spokes. But if you take, take each spoke down to its original starting point, it's the same point. That's who we are. You're not your manifestation on the rim. You are that center point of the wheel in which you are one with everyone. Knowing who you are gives you power. It gives you power, first of all, because once you know that you are one with everyone, then you know that what you think about them is what you think about yourself. What you do to them, you are doing to yourself. Time is just a learning device. It will seem to take a little time before you get back what you just did, but really it was programmed and in that quantum field of ultimate reality, there is no time. It's actually happening in this moment. Time is the learning device as this space, so you will. it will appear to be true later. One of the issues, though, about the Christ within you, which is the truth of who you are, is that as The Course in Miracles says, you were not created to be at the effect of lovelessness in yourself or anyone else. One of my favorite lines on The Course in Miracles, so powerful, is the Christ within you cannot be crucified. Now, we talked about the ego being the crucifixion energy, always seeking to blame, always seeking to judge, always seeking to limit, always seeking to defeat, always seeking to destroy. That's what the ego mind does, the way the ego, the word is used in the Course, the loveless mind, because no thought is neutral. So just as the Holy Spirit is the mind that is always seeking to repair, always seeking unity, always seeking healing, always seeking love, the loveless mind is always seeking destruction. It's always seeking suffering. To the ego mind, your pain is its peak experience. That's how powerful the mind is. But the real you is not at the effect of the ego. I once went through a situation where someone hurt my feelings, and they hurt my feelings in public, and it was embarrassing and kind of humiliating, and I kind of couldn't believe it had happened. And I was with a friend and we walked out and he said wow that was <laughs> that was intense he said if you want to call me this week to process that you know i'm totally available and i started going into how wounded i felt and you know this person had expressed sympathy and called me and i found myself you know feeling comforted by his pity and then this thought came into me because the principles of spirituality are, the Course in Miracles says they are habits in your problem solving repertoire. And the thought that just blasted into my mind at that time was, Marianne, the Christ in you cannot be crucified. So you have a choice here. You know, you can, you can take this, this wound and it was on a human level, a wound. And you can put all kinds of mustard on it and mayonnaise and build it up and get sympathy and go into your woundedness and go into your victimization and maybe get angry about it. You can do that if you want. But you have a choice. You can also remember the Christ in you cannot be crucified. Now, this does not mean to swallow your truth. It does not mean, you know, sometimes it means, oh, lighten up. It's not even a big deal. Just get over it. But sometimes, no, something needs to be said. You know, sometimes a boundary does need to be set or whatever. And I found when I prayed about this, when I realized, Marianne, don't go into victim. You don't have to get up on that cross. The love, the Christ in you cannot be crucified. I realized that there was something that needed to be said. It, It kind of wasn't okay what had occurred. But the way I was guided to handle it, who I was guided to talk to, How I was guided to speak without attacking, without blaming, just sharing, made all the difference, opened the doors to the apology, to the change that needed to happen. If I had only gone into poor me, what had just happened to me, I'd been victimized, then I would have behaved in a way that just continued, you know, to, 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 roll with that wheel of suffering, I would have slapped back in some way by seeing guilt in them, and it would have been both egos involved in such a way that no peace was possible. So this idea that the real you is not at the effect of lovelessness from yourself or from anyone else is the same as the Christ in you cannot be crucified. And this doesn't mean that we deny our humanness. It doesn't mean that we deny our hurt or we deny our, you know, feeling that someone has done something to us that has caused us pain. It doesn't mean that we deny our tears, but I always say, you know, it's three days between the crucifixion and the resurrection. You don't have to make it 12 days. You don't have to make it 24. Sometimes we elongate, you know, the time on the cross beyond what it needs to be. And so you don't deny your feelings, but at the same time, you know that you have a choice here. I was once in a situation where I'd been through a very painful breakup and, um, I was just crying and crying and crying, and my best friend, who has since died, um, starts sprouting all this course in miracles and Marianne Williamson stuff. All, when a relationship is over, it's not really over. It's just changing form because the love is real and all the love he gave you will last forever and all the love you gave him will last forever. And the more he talked, I just cried more. And the more he kept talking, the more I cried. And at one point he said, do you want me to just like shut up? And I said, no, keep talking because I knew that as I cried, it would have been different if he'd been saying, you shouldn't cry. If he'd been denying my pain or minimizing my pain or invalidating my pain, he wasn't. I, I, I had space to cry, but at the same time, I was taking in the truth, taking in the truth, and that would alchemize my emotions, and it would shorten the time between, you know, that crucifixion and the resurrection. The three days between the crucifixion and the resurrection is a symbol for the time it takes for the outer manifestation to catch up with the change in consciousness. And that's the same with the 40 years in the desert between the suffering of the, of the Israelites in Egypt and their deliverance to the promised land. So you always want to remember that who you really are not at the effect of the lovelessness of the world no matter what anyone has ever done to you and you know that's a big deal in today's world because we're so into coddling everybody's negative feeling these days i mean it's ridiculous what's going on in the world today you can't even have somebody said to me the other day i talked about um over of antidepressants particularly among children and and the fact that the fda has has, has issued a black box warning that for people 25 years and younger this can actually increase rather than decrease uh, suicidal ideation and the whole effect of pharmaceuticals and so forth well i got an email from somebody saying oh maria watch your language you don't want to shame mothers mothers are made to feel so much shame this is ridiculous We're at a point in this society where we can't even have an adult conversation because, God forbid, somebody feels ashamed when I say it. You know, by definition, if you're having a meaningful conversation, not everybody's going to agree with everything. That's how we learn from each other. People don't owe it to me to say only something that makes me feel okay. I'm an adult. I'm not a child, and I might, you know, have to think about it. It might push me a little bit, and that's how we grow. So this business of everybody's so precious all of a sudden. This is not spirit, and this is posing. This is ego posing. Oh, it's so spiritual to just coddle people like we're all these sensitive little creatures. We're sensitive, yes. We're empaths, yes. That's another one. I'm an empath. We're all empaths in a way because we're all empathic. We're all, you're all of us are the children of God. All of us have this profound power within us and this profound tenderness within us. But there's a level on which, you know, the real you can toughen up. The real you is not at the effect of lovelessness. This is really important in today's world, I think. So for you to know and for you to remind the person that you are coaching or the person that you're counseling or the person that you're teaching that, yes, you, you have compassion for their pain and you, 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 you are tender towards their pain. And in some cases, you validate their pain because on a human level, it's understandable. But as their spiritual companion, which is what a teacher or a therapist or a counselor is, you are there to remind them that they are bigger than their pain and that they do have a choice. And then that choice, that willingness, the Course in Miracles says your good intentions are not enough. Your willingness is everything. I am willing to see this differently. I am willing. I don't feel it now, but I am willing. Right now, I just feel hurt by what they did. And so because I'm hurt by what they did, I am willing, I am tempted to just see guilt in them, but I know that this will not bring me peace. I am willing to see this differently. This is why I often say to others, as I say to myself, if you have a problem in any relationship, pray for that person's happiness for five minutes a day because what this will do is if you take 30 days and you spend five minutes a day praying for their happiness, this will alchemize your emotions around it. Now, you're praying for their happiness, which they will subconsciously know. So as you pray for their happiness, one of two things is going to happen within 30 days. Either they're going to change or you won't care because your praying for them will have lifted you up. So if someone is, is, you know, if you're going through a divorce, and you're hurt, or he's with another woman or something. May he be blessed, may he be happy, may he be loved. Make that your mantra, not, I was wronged, what a jerk, all the people who was right. he shouldn't have done that, blah, blah, blah. May he be blessed, may he be happy, may he be loved. May he be blessed, may he be happy, may he be loved. You know, there's a line in the Course of Miracles, do you prefer to be right or do you prefer to be happy? Because if you prefer to be right, I'm sure you can find all kinds of people to join with you about how terrible that other person was. But if your goal is happiness, may he be blessed, may he be happy, may he be loved. Don't, you know, don't fall for the trap that so much of modern psychotherapy is in. You know, people go to their coach or their therapist or their counselor about a relationship. And the counselor says, is this relationship really bringing you everything you need? Ah, this is such an ego statement. What the counselor should be saying is, in this relationship, are you giving everything you have? And I've seen in my own life, not just in counseling other people, man, I've seen it in my own life. My mistakes at love, personal love, romantic love, have been the same principles. Was I there to bless or was I there to blame? Was I there to get or was I there to give? Was I there to get the other person to be what I thought I needed them to be or to be a space of blessing on them as well as myself? And, um, or if you don't practice those principles in any area of life, whether it's work, romance, personal friends, whatever, then you are going to get back the suffering that comes from that non-alignment. And you know, uh, the ego mind call it codependency to just be there for the love of someone else. That's not codependency. Codependency, of course, is when you are you are basing your behavior on what you think that other person wants you to be, or whatever, or what you think will get the reaction from the other person that will give you what you want. It's a selfishness actually, but to really be there for love for the other person. You don't have to worry that you won't have boundaries. That's when you will have healthy boundaries. That's because when you are really in the space of love, love has the capacity to say no, just like love has the capacity to say yes. If you're around a small child, and the small child is playing with sharp scissors, well, hello, part of loving that person, loving that child, is making sure, no, you cannot play with those scissors. So you don't have to worry that going into any situation, only asking to be an instrument of God's love is going to make you weak. Not going into any situation without consciousness is what will make you weak. Love makes us strong. You know, you don't go into any situation and say, I'm here to love you and bless you with the love of God. Some situations that are totally not appropriate. But you can think that. And when you do, you are empowered in ways that will actually amaze you. And what you will get from that is relationships that work. Practice that. And to the extent to which you practice it, you'll be able to transmit that information to your client, to your your student, and so forth. And through that, both of you will be blessed. Your journey as a teacher might have you working with people in terms of a deeper understanding of their body, both in terms of its purpose and in terms of its health. So from a spiritual perspective, and of course in miracles, we're taught that the body is just a suit of clothes. Your physical birth is not the beginning of your life, but a continuation. And your physical death is not the end of your life, but a continuation. It says that the body is already programmed to perform perfectly and to remain in perfect health for as long a period of time as it would serve your soul growth to have a body, except when we over-attach our sense of identification to the body, that puts a stress on the body that the body is not meant to carry. In other words, the healthiest perception of the body is the realization that we are not our bodies. And this is just one more way in which The way to be most powerful on the earth plane is to realize that your essential self is not of the earth plane. So the body is like a precious suit of clothes. The Course in Miracles says the body itself was not created by God. The body itself is a manifestation of our belief that we are separate. Remember, the body is here within this three-dimensional illusion. However, that does not mean that the body is not holy. The Course in Miracles says that anything in the material realm, the body or anything else, is holy or unholy, determined by the purpose ascribed to it by the mind. So, the body, The Course in Miracles says, is a beautiful lesson in communion until communion is. So when we see the body's purpose as being that by which we might further the healing of God's Son through the extension of kindness, compassion, help, service, tenderness, and so forth, it is a holy thing given to God for God's purposes. It is our over-attachment to it, however, which burdens the body. And of course, this makes common sense, doesn't it? We know how much sickness derives from stress. And we also know how much sickness derives from uh, environmental toxins, et cetera, that themselves derive from our lack of reverence for the earth. So in all ways, our sense of reverence for the food, for the sky, for the water, and for our bodies is what creates a more healthy environment. Now, as part of this, we realize then that death does not exist. So when we drop the body, The Course of Miracles says this is not the end of life. And often when we are dealing with people who come to us for uh, counseling and so forth, we are dealing with people who have been diagnosed with life-challenging illnesses or are dealing with that topic in the life of someone that they love. And we want to help people to understand that their life is separate from the life of the body. That the life of love is the only real life. And the Course in Miracles says that a lack of love is the only real death. Sometimes people are looking for physical healing, obviously we are, and yet at the same time, you as a counselor, you as a teacher, you as a prayer practitioner can't know, you're gonna pray for somebody, pray for their healing, but you're not gonna know what form is that healing going to take. Sometimes it's going to take the form of an actual physical healing, and sometimes it's going to take the form of their finding inner peace as they approach death. The Course in Miracles says one day we will realize death is not the punishment. Death is the reward. You're learning how to pray with people is one of the greatest Uh, services that you can perform for them. And in my book, Illuminata, there are prayers kind of for every occasion. So I recommend that you look at that in order to find words. Not that you need me to provide you with words, but sometimes you want a little bit of a jump start. Prayer is the medium of miracles. So do not hesitate to pray with a person who is um, dealing with physical illness. Pray for their healing. The form of that healing might be a physical healing and it might not be. But the healing is sure to come. We cannot pray for something without God hearing. The Course in Miracles says the Holy Spirit responds fully to our slightest invitation. There's a question about the word atonement. Yes. There's a lot of practices that one can do that are I'll speak for myself that I've been exposed to like do this form of writing or do this sort of contemplative exercise do this meditation but that word atonement is your it's you're talking to spirit and you're it's like a, an internal conversation so the agency to to heal the thing or let go of the thing or whatever needs to be done are you saying that that we possess that just through that conversation okay. that we can have in that conscious decision to atone the atonement principle is that of divine correction for mistaken thought and behavior. The Catholics have confession where as they go along, they confess the wrong, they confess the wrong-minded to another person, to the priest, okay. The Jews have the day of Yom Kippur, which is the holiest day of the year, which is the day of atonement where you've got to go go through your entire year. And in AA, It is a program of amends where you admit the exact nature of your character defects. All those are the same thing. It's the idea that Buddha came about 500 years before Jesus, and he establishes action, reaction, action, reaction, the law of cause and effect. So if I made a mistake, my mistaken thought, and all thought creates form on some level, even if it wasn't the form of my behavior. So your thoughts are going to have an effect on a situation, even if they don't turn in specifically to behavior, people can feel it. So if you were wrong-minded, non-loving thought, remember, we don't see it as a sin God would punish you for. It's an error. It's a mistake that the ego is punishing you for by tempting you to go there. God is that which delivers you from it. That will remain operative. That cause will remain operative, creating effects until you interrupt the pattern. Okay, so the word inertia means the tendency of the object to go in whatever direction it's been going. The atonement is where you realize, wow, I see that I did that. Wow, or I see that my energy created that. I see that I I wasn't there for the right reasons. So I can see that I kind of set up the situation to go off. I get it. The atonement is the cosmic reset button. In A Course in Miracles, on page 90 of the text, it says, the undoing process. Now, this is what's fascinating. So you've got whatever you said or whatever you did is creating effects, and they're just moving along, moving along in inertia. You want to undo that. Remember how uh, Superman, who is a Christ figure, was able to take the planet and turn it backwards, go back yeah. in time. The atonement, within your mortal consciousness, you're living within this t- time and space. But time and space, the entire three-dimensional plane is itself an illusion, as Einstein said, albeit a persistent one. That's what Buddha said. That's what The Course in Miracles says. That's what Einstein said. So you are, you are heir to the laws that rule within the world you identify with. But when you identify with spirit rather than the material plane, you know that the real you, where your holy mind, and this is why the Course in Miracles says there is nothing your holiness cannot do, because your whole mind is your holy mind. Your holy mind means that which lies beyond time and space. So it's called a Course in Miracles, not a Course in Fixing Things. You can undo the effects of your mistake through the atonement. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Keep yourself fully aware that the undoing process, which does not come from you, is nevertheless within you because God placed it there. The atonement principle created by God. Free will means you can think whatever you want to think. The law of cause and effect means whatever you think is going to have an effect. The atonement means God's not going to leave you hanging out there in Hell, which is what hell is, the anxiety and the depression of knowing you did it wrong and the guilt you feel about it and the messing up that's happening. He's not going to violate the law of cause and effect. So he's not going to violate your free will. If you want to go there, you can. But should you request it, you can be delivered. And that is through the atonement. Your part is merely to return your thinking to the point at which the error was made. And give it over to the atonement in peace so you think back, oh, when I made that stupid comment, Mm. if only I hadn't sent the text, if only I hadn't picked up the phone, if only I'd had more impulse control, if only I hadn't gotten non-reactive, if only I'd spent the weekend thinking about it and praying about it, if only I'd asked first right? So you you go back to that point. Go back in your thinking to the point at which the error was made and give it over to the atonement in peace. Say to yourself, say this to yourself as sincerely as you can, remembering that the Holy Spirit will respond fully to your slightest invitation. I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. Now, by the way, I want to stay on that one. The presence of peace or the absence of peace is how you know. How do you How do I know if I did the right thing? You're at peace about it. How do, you, how do I know if I didn't do the right thing? You're not at peace. So sometimes when people say, oh, don't feel bad. No, don't tell me not to feel bad. Rather, help me figure this out, because I feel bad. So something must be off, right? We don't honor ourselves enough, even when we feel bad, right? I must have decided wrongly because I'm not at peace. I made the decision myself, but I can also decide otherwise. So the atonement means, the atonement is in the quantum field beyond time and space, so I made the mistake last Thursday, but I can make another decision now. I want to decide otherwise because I want to be at peace. Now here's my favorite line. I do not feel guilty Mm -hmm. because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if i will let him i choose to let him by allowing him to decide for god for me mm. so it's real atonement is not just you know there's a lot in our world these days of making yourself the deliverer making mm. yourself the teacher making mm. yourself the savior mm. it you know and which isn't even as buddhist as it sounds Because if you look in Buddhism and you look at the Eightfold Path, I mean, there's some, it takes right mindfulness, it takes, you know, it takes, you know, right action, it takes right speech. In our world these days, there's not only not enough rigor, there's not enough demands of self. Mm-hmm. you know and buddha had you know these are the four truths and these are the eight things you have to strive for moses it wasn't just that god sent moses to deliver the israelites and then he gave the ten commandments and said this is who i want you to be and jesus didn't just say i'm, I'm dying he said love one another as i so loved you and everything will be fine not just some abstract belief mm-hmm. so there's a humility to the atonement mm-hmm. that because before i can atone and go back to god i have to first admit that I deviated. <laughs> that's the whole point. I said what I wish I hadn't said. I did what I wish I hadn't done. I see that I was prideful. I see that I was arrogant. I see that I was stupid. I see that I was, I get it, I atone for it, I acknowledge it, and I place it into the hands of God. And then that's when you I always say the two words you don't know what they mean until they've happened to you. One is mercy and one is betrayal. And that's when you really learn the whole concept of the infinite mercy of God. When Jesus says, pray, uh, no, he says, forgive 70 times seven. Um, In my own life, I am constantly amazed. I don't think a day goes by that I'm not amazed by, I feel like I've made mistakes and the universe keeps saying, okay, let's try that one more time. You know, you really see how the universe really will support you, but it won't support your bullshit. Mm -hmm. you have to own it once again you don't you're not asked to have no impure thoughts but you're you're asked to have no impure thoughts that you would keep self-awareness tracking yourself tracking yourself how did i do in that situation and that's part of the problem of everybody being so involved with their goals and what they want to have happen tomorrow you're not monitoring yourself today your goal in any situation should be that you're rising to the occasion which is the same thing as saying may God's will be done because God's love and will is thought. May God's will be done in a situation means may loving thought prevail. So that should be our goal in any situation. May God's will be done. May, may loving thought prevail. There isn't anything else. And the only time there is, is this moment. And then if in the last moment, you know, just, you know, there's there's that saying, you know, tell the truth as soon as you know it sometimes it's not telling the truth to you know it appropriately to another person but sometimes it's telling the truth to god like wow which i haven't said that
0: Thanks a lot for listening to this excerpt from Marianne Williamson's course on teaching the teachers. If you want to watch all 10 days of this course, plus access bonus meditations, transcripts, and reflections, well go to onecommune.com Marianne, and sign up for a free trial of Commune membership. That's one, O-N-E, commune.com Marianne. There you can sign up for 14 days of free all access to Commune's entire course library, including the full length version of Teaching the Teachers. Okay. Well, feel free to email me with any suggestions and criticism of the constructive variety at jeffk at onecommune.com. That's all from the Commune for today. My name is Jeff Krasnow and I am here for you.